Hello everyone, I'm Dalton Burdett. I'm Ryan Warner. And we are the Movie Knights. Well, some of them. If you're watching this, it's because you want to hear our uncensored and unfiltered thoughts and opinions about the world of movies. So kick back, grab a snack, and thank you for being a part of the conversation. Speaking of snacks, Ryan, we got some popcorn here today. Some tasty popcorn. Because movies, yeah. It's a big week in movies, but slow week in movie news, so. I like that. I like that. We have one story to report movie news-wise, but we're going to get into some other stuff. Talk a bit about the DC fandom event, which we did reactions to. Thanks for if you guys watched that and this. Be surprised if there's many of you. But uh yeah. Um however, there's one thing I want to do first. Ryan? Yes. Do you know how long it's been since there's been a normal box office report? Probably two months, three months. It's been a long time. Would you like to hear the weekend box office numbers from last weekend? Absolutely. Coming in at number one. Whoa, it's been a while since I've heard that. Making $4 million was Unhinged. That new horror thriller horror. Which I saw, and it was not great. Coming in at number two, making $550,000 was the SpongeBob movie Sponge on the Run. It's only playing in Canada, I believe. These numbers are so pitiful, but... It's also because we're COVID. slowly, yeah. yeah. It's so weird hearing, like, number two only made, like, mm-hmm. what would you say, 500,000? Uh-huh. Yep. Boy. Coming in at number three, making $462,000, mm-hmm. Words on Bathroom Walls. Which I actually watched. Was It was actually pretty good. Interesting. I have to check it out. Coming in at number four was the re-release of Goonies with $260,000. Which, if you haven't seen our classic movie review, go ahead and review. Go ahead and watch that. Words are hard sometimes. They are. And coming in at number five was Cutthroat City... Making two hundred and forty thousand dollars. Wow! That was the top five box office. You guys, it's been so long. I got excited. I had to do it. I had to Abs- do it. Ab- absolutely, you have to, man. You mm-hmm. have to. Speaking of new movies, yes, we're recording this Wednesday. We normally release Friday, but I plan on releasing this Thursday morning. So if I'm doing this correctly, audience, you should be watching this Thursday morning, which means tonight, I'm seeing the New Mutants. Allegedly, allegedly, <laughs> and. As soon as I get home, I'm going to do a review and put it up. I promise. So I'm really fucking excited about that. Absolutely. And um, yeah, no, I uh, just look forward to that. I, I'm just excited about new movies. And then I'm seeing Tenet on Monday. I'm also going to have a video for that as soon as I get home. I'm very excited for that one. Ugh. That new Chris Nolan picture. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good one. He's got some moxie. He can stick around. Oh, absolutely. No, but uh, I'm just excited that new movies are back. It's been way too fucking long. Way too fucking long. But I'm glad that we're also able to do it safely. I know some areas haven't been able to open up. And, you know, because the numbers are pretty bad. Um, But, you know, every time I go, everyone wears their masks. No one gives any shit about it. They social distance. They clean at the theaters I go to. So I I felt safe every time I've gone. Which is great. Yes. Yes. But uh, like I said, we only have one movie news story to get into. So we're going to go ahead and get into that right now. Yeah. Um, I'll let you introduce it because you were interested in bringing it up. I was. And let me bring up the son of a bitch. I got rid of it. Um, (laughs) While I'm looking it up, I do remember the basis of the story. Um, It was originally broke by Bloody Disgusting, but the the article that I'm pulling it from is from Collider. Okay. And they are going to make the thing remake. Remake of a remake. Of a remake because there's like five remakes, yep. but um, originally, which I actually didn't know this, the thing was based off of two books, two separate books. And by, a movie. Yes, correct. 
So John Carpenter's movie, The Thing, is viewed as like the original, even though there was one before it. But that one is like a masterpiece. The quintessential version of that movie, yeah. Correct. Uh, So Blumhouse and Universal are going to partner to make The Thing remake with John Carpenter attached to the project. Probably just producing it. Uh, probably an EP credit, Consult, I'd imagine. Maybe yeah. some music? I'd imagine so. Nothing uh, nothing directorial-wise. No, 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 probably not. Uh, but what's really fascinating about this is that it's not going to... They're going to pull straight from the two books. They're not going to pull from the movies. Interesting. Which I found to be fascinating because, like I said, I didn't know that these uh, yeah. movies were based off of books. But either. they're going to gear it more towards the books, which uh, apparently... Must be something good in the book that haven't that hasn't been done in the movies, um, so we'll have to wait and see how that turns out. I'm very excited to see like who's going to write the script, who's going to direct it. Um, but what are the odds Kurt Russell and Keith David come back? Ooh, that'd be good. Because you never found out which one of them was the thing at the end of the that nope. one. Nope. Spoilers. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. I mean. Lee Wynell is killing it with these directorial uh, projects at Blumhouse, so maybe he'll get the project. Maybe. Maybe David Gordon Green, who's been doing Halloween. Maybe. Maybe James Wan comes back and oh. helps out his old buddies. Um, That'd be great. But yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to wait and see. I'm very excited to see how this is going to play yeah. out. And I'm also excited if they're going to be like completely new, like a remake or like a reboot, or like based on the books, mm-hmm. like they're saying now. Or if it's going to somehow tie in, because they did remake The Thing once, but then turns out it was a prequel to The Thing. Yeah. So, what's going to, you know, I wonder how they're going to do that exactly. Yeah. Because uh, once we hear those details, because John Carpenter kind of let it slip too. He was just like, oh, we're kind of doing The, the Thing. <laughs> so. Whoops. Yeah. And uh, so, I am I am looking forward to it. I love the, ori- the, the original. Uh, John Carpenter's The Thing is mm. my favorite John Carpenter movie. Really? Yes. Okay. And I love John Carpenter. That's my favorite film that he's done, and that'd be a great video, our favorite John Carpenter movies. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, off topic. I love The Thing, and if he's going to be attached, that makes that does make me a little bit more excited, and I'm looking forward to what they bring to the table with that, especially because I think Blumhouse is good at you know keeping the budgets low, making profit, but I, they better do some practical effects, because that is what The Thing is all about. And I think in that Collider article, mm-hmm. uh, I, I briefly read through it. Because um, there's obviously not a lot of information that yeah. has come out other than Blumhouse and Universal are making the movie based off the books. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did say that what made John Carpenter's The Thing what it was was because of the practical makeup, mm-hmm. which sounds like it's kind of hinted at them going the more practical route. Because uh, Greg Nicotero, I believe, did the makeup for that, right? Uh-huh. Or what, was it Greg Nicotero? It was either him or Tom Savini. I don't remember which one. I think it was Greg Nicotero, Mm -hmm. who famously does The Walking Dead makeup. Interestingly enough, in the 2011 The Thing, they did do practical effects, but then the studio balked at the last minute and went in and put CGI over the practical effects. Ooh. Uh, I don't like that. Me neither. So hopefully they don't do that shit again. Knowing Blumhouse, knowing Jason Blum, how he loves, like, like, looking at Halloween, for example... And how much respect that they put into that movie oh, yeah. and how great that movie turned out. Yeah. I, I don't imagine that they're going to, like, you know, piss all over it for a lack of better terms. Right. Especially uh, with John Carpenter attached. No way. Exactly. Exactly. They're definitely going to do right by it, which I'm very excited for. Um, like I said, the next step is going to be hearing who's writing it and who's directing it. So I'm very excited to see just, you know, fan casting right now. Who, who would you want 
to write and or direct this just right off the top of your head jesus um and i'm kind of putting you on the spot right yeah, there with that no um i think anyone would kind of be good but if you're asking me like dream like this writer director and mm-hmm. the thing like who do you want to see i'm going to see drew goddard yeah yes because i love um the i love the episode of the daredevil he did i love bad times at the el royale mm-hmm. i absolutely love that guy and i think that he's a fantastic filmmaker and i think i'd like to see his style mix with the world of the thing okay so i'd say drew goddard interesting mm-hmm. i mean I'm, I'm i'm a sucker for it but i'd have to say john carpenter <laughs> there's no way but, yeah, but it would be no, cool yeah but uh you never know i think the likely answer would be like lee wynell once he's done with wolfman. a wolfman mm-hmm. which do we know how far in production they are with that i think they're, they're in the script phase right now okay so it'll be a while yeah, yeah. but until they can start shooting again so. yeah exactly <clears throat> but we'll have to wait and see Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, the next thing I kind of wanted to bring up, um, it's sort of movie news related, but we kind of just want to do a recap of DC Fandom, which happened last Saturday. Absolutely. Um, tons of interesting panels and things going on there, but we're, we're going to focus on the movie ones. Mm-hmm. Wonder Woman 1984, The Suicide Squad, Zack Snyder's Justice League, and The Batman. Wow. First of all, Pretty awesome event. I thought that the event was actually rather well done. It was much better than Comic-Con at home was. It was very smooth. Yes. Very pre-recorded, but I get it. You know, live is hard, especially in, you know, quarantine times. I get mm-hmm. it. Totally understand it. Um, wh- so here's what I'm going to ask you. We're going to talk okay. about all the trailers and some of the panels. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite panel and what was your favorite trailer? Okay. My favorite panel was definitely Zack Snyder's okay. panel with his Justice League. Just because, especially whenever he was interviewing the fans and he was asking them, like, oh, like, what drew you to this project? Like, what made you want to, like, release the Snyder Cut? Like, what made you start that movement? And just watching him connect and, like, talk to those fans and just watching his face light up mm-hmm. just brought me so much joy because. I mean, anyone who knows that story knows that he's had it really rough the past few years. Yeah. So it just it's nice to see him get some love and appreciation, especially from fans directly who have mm-hmm. started the release the Snyder Cut movement yeah. and fellow filmmakers as well. Exactly. Yeah, filmmakers. You know, that are happy for him. Patty Jenkins came on and mm-hmm. was congratulating him on being able to finish this movie the way he wants it to yeah. be done. Matt Reeves said some nice things too. Yeah, Ben Affleck said something. Henry Cavill was there as well. So just watching everyone who knows personally what he went through go on and like congratulate him in front of millions of people across the world and talk to fans who also congratulated him it just it made it so much better it made it much more on a personal level which i absolutely loved that's why it's my favorite panel um but favorite trailer batman hands down Mm -hmm. hands down um someone commented on it uh, on our reaction video where mm. I screamed, he just beat the hell out of that dude and was like, no, he straight up murdered him. Yeah. And yeah, no, I mean, you're right. Just in the moment, I was just like, what the fuck is happening right mm. now? But that trailer was jaw-dropping. Yeah. To oh, yeah. say the least. Like, And it's funny because uh, just before we started recording, I saw something that Zack Snyder said to Matt Reeves that he texted and was like, what the fuck? That was so cool talking about his trailer. Mm-hmm. And like, that's all you can really say like it is just it looks fantastic it looks dark it looks gritty it looks more like a detective-esque movie which is what they're going for Mm -hmm. so i'm very excited to see that movie and see what else is coming of it and what the fuck is colin farrell doing (laughs) like what the fuck is? i I couldn't believe that was him 
I I still don't believe it. <laughs> I do not believe it. The makeup looks ridiculous on him. It is stupid. It looks like uh, what Richard Kind is that his name? Yeah, he mm-hmm. looks exactly like Richard Kind, and it is terrifying. That's exactly who I thought it was the first time we watched the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, same question back at you. What was your favorite panel and what was your favorite trailer? Mm-hmm. I should be pointed out. Um, other panels that were there were like Shazam 2, Fury mm-hmm. of the Gods is what they're calling it. Black Adam. Black Adam, which were both nice panels. Although I do have to say my favorite panel wasn't directly tied to one movie, but it was the multiverse panel that they did. And the reason why I like that panel is because it was the first time me and a lot of fans got to see Walter Hamada and listen to him talk and actually hear him confirm the philosophy that we all thought he had which was just like we're here to make good movies if you Mm -hmm. want him to be in universe great if you want him to not be in universe that's fine too because of this idea of multiverse multiverse. and he's just like it doesn't matter he's like joker's on its own thing which is separate from the batman which is separate from the justice league movies he's like it's all fine If if a filmmaker has a good pitch i'm gonna make the movie in which it's finally something fresh and new in this comic book movie world that we're seeing mm-hmm. and he said it with confidence and he you know and he was talking about when ezra miller went on the flash tv show for example yeah he was like because that's how he got his name in canon yeah. was the flash yeah he was like they came to me and said um hey how how can we do this and i was just like why not yeah let's go you know and it just just hearing him kind of you know be open to ideas and so that you can hear good ideas I think is really fascinating. I think that's interesting, and I'm glad that someone is finally not doing like typical executive decisions mm-hmm. and like you know because like Warner Brothers back and like the Man of Steel, Batman v Superman days was very hyper reactionary, like quick change everything because they didn't like this or didn't do this. Or Walter Hamada was just like, no, we're doing this, we're going to stick to it, let's go. Mm-hmm. And he's allowing other filmmakers to come in, do movies that they'd like to see while also having people who want to contribute to the overall wider DCEU do that as well. And ever since he's taken over, like the movies have been significantly been better. Yeah. Significantly better. Well, I'm pretty sure he came in like halfway on Aquaman, I think. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting enough because they had like a 10-minute, 20-minute mm-hmm. Aquaman panel, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how uh, it was James Wan and Patrick Wilson. They were talking about how Aquaman 2 is going to be more serious and a little bit like, uh, not darker per se, but... It'll deal more seriously in the aspect of that world rather mm-hmm. than like the goofiness that we got from the original Aquaman. So that might be his influence on it. Maybe. But one thing that he did say during that panel I found very fascinating was because uh, I think the interviewer brought up, like, for example, like Red Sun, mm-hmm. which he was like, yeah, I mean, we don't have a story for it, but if someone just comes up with a good story, then I don't see Let's why do not. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, that is definitely a mindset that a lot of these executives, I feel, need to have. Because mm-hmm. they, while yes, I understand they're in, a, in the money-chasing business, and I totally understand that. But you can't really make money without a good story. Because the second your movie comes out and it's bad, no one's going to go see it. No one's going to bother to see it. So if you put a good story first, I think naturally you'll just get money. Your opening weekend is determining is determined by how good your marketing is. Anything after that is determined by how good the movie is. And Avatar was, what, in theaters for like 72 weeks something stupid yeah. like that mm-hmm. because people genuinely loved that movie mm-hmm. i don't know why but people <laughs> genuinely loved that movie yeah yeah and there are countless examples of that mm-hmm. and um but yeah no uh that was my favorite panel just get, get hearing him finally like come out and just talk to the fans and be like hey this is my philosophy behind what we're doing mm-hmm. which i loved and it kind of just gave a new sense of confidence to any dc fans that were kind of worried or on the fence you know and also, 
Um, but I, I agree with you. My favorite trailer was the Batman trailer because holy shit, it was awesome. And it was a, I was surprised because I think if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that the Suicide Squad comes out in August next year, mm-hmm. and the Batman comes out in October. Wasn't the Batman supposed to come out this year? At one point, but they pushed it a while ago. Okay. but Before COVID? Yeah. But the Batman comes out after Suicide Squad, and they were like, we shot 25% of the movie full trailer, where Suicide Squad's been done since February, and they were like, behind the scenes. I found that to be very odd. But I think what they're doing is Warner Brothers, you know, Batman is kind of like their James Bond, mm-hmm. to where, like, new people are going to come in, take this role, and do something different with it. Same with the filmmaker that's helming the movies. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to just let everyone know, especially with some of the naysayers about Robert Pattinson, like, bam, here's Batman. He's coming next year. Because we're not going to get another trailer for a, while. a long time. And they just wanted to have fans to have this and be like, bam, here is the future of, like, Batman. This is our next Batman. This is what we're doing. And so I thought it was smart in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, but, like, I loved all the trailers. I loved the Zack Snyder's Justice League trailer. Mm-hmm. I loved the Suicide Squad behind the scenes. I loved the Wonder Woman trailer. Even, like, the concept art for Black Adam was great. And Flash. So the Flash loved all that as well. Which I found very fascinating that they had those panels and had stuff ready to go. Yeah. Like, I thought that was very well prepared on mm-hmm. their end. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, but the Batman trailer was awesome. It was so awesome. So what was your big takeaway from that? Like, after watching that trailer, like, I guess kind of what I'm asking you is, what are you expecting from this film? And I know that's kind of like a hard question to answer, but just based off that, what do you, do you want it to be darker than what we've seen? Do you want it to be gritty? Do you want Robert Pattinson to be put in this ultimatum that, like, once he decides that solidifies him as who he is going to be as Batman. Like, do, do you know what I'm asking? Mm-hmm. I'm a man of simple pleasures. Yes. I want it to be good. And I want it to be distinct. Okay. Because I like how with Batman, like each Batman feels different. Mm-hmm. Especially like with, like the Nolan Batman is different from the Snyder Batman. Which already just from a trailer feels different from the Reeves Batman. It's mm-hmm. still Batman and that DNA is there. But it's distinct. Okay. So I want it to be good, and I want it to be distinct, and it's looking like we're going to get both of those things. Um, and I also just want Matt Reeves to be able to do his thing, mm-hmm. and under Walter Hamada, it looks like that's not going to be a problem at all. It, it, I don't think anyone's left because of creative differences under Walter Hamada, have they? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, granted, he's only been in this position for, yeah, yeah. for the past mm-hmm. few years, um, but I do have a follow-up question for you about the Batman, because Matt Reeves was talking about like how... His cowl, like, kind of gets ripped up and mm-hmm. teared up, and, like, there's knife uh, cuts mm-hmm. in it, and it just looks worn. Do you think we're going to see some, like, badass fight scenes? Like, Yeah. I mean, from from the little thing we put in the trailer, we yeah. know it's going to be brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think we're going to get some kick-ass action. The action in his Planet of the Apes movies was really well done and fantastic. Okay. I can see that translating over very well, especially with stunt teams they have at Warner Brothers, you know. Mm-hmm. And with BVS... With that warehouse Batman scene, you now can't have action that's subpar to that. Like, that kind of set the new standard for Batman action. Mm -hmm. Because Batman action before that, while, like, the Dark Knight trilogy is one of the best movie trilogies of all time, the action was still very punch, kick, push, kind of like Tim Burton's action. Mm -hmm. And although Dark Knight Rises did a little bit better, because it just was a bigger, bombastic movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But, but as far as, like, gadgets go and using yeah. his surrounding to help fight. Yeah, that was kind of something you only saw in video games and animation. And Snyder and BBS literally was just like, here it is, live action. Mm-hmm. And so now that they've hit that, they have to keep that up. 
And I think Matt Reeves, you know, with his capabilities as a filmmaker and his just knowledge, he knows that. And I think that he's going to deliver on that no problem. And one thing that I absolutely loved about his panel was the way he was talking about his movie. He was very mm-hmm. knowledgeable very, about what he was... Very passionate about the Batman character as well. Mm-hmm. And I love the... It's kind of PR. I think I think it is true from the heart for the most part. But I love how everyone at Warner Brothers and DC is all love. Like it's Zack Snyder. I'm really looking forward to Wonder Woman and Matt Reeves' Batman. You got Matt Reeves. I'm really looking forward to Zack Snyder's movie and, you know, these other movies. And then Patty Jenkins. Oh, I'm really excited for Zack and I can't wait to see what Matt Reeves does with Batman. I love that because mm-hmm. in the past there was some tension there. <laughs> like, with, yeah. Well, even with David Ayer coming out and saying like yeah. he's really excited for James Gunn's Suicide Squad, yeah, like and, you and have people James, on the outside. And James Gunn being recipro- reciprocal and being like, "Hey, thank you for being so nice about this. I know yeah. like that wasn't easy, you know." So, I'm loving that. Yeah, and I like you said, I think there is some PR to it, but like as far as like David Ayer loving his, like David Ayer has no connection to the DCEU yeah. or any DC film like he's just yeah. he's done with it he got yeah. screwed over but like mm-hmm. his love that he's giving towards James Gunn is i think pure yeah no i i think it's great as well so i'm very excited to see like this loving open accepting community that DC that under Walter Amada has yeah. built you know yeah no i'm really looking forward to that and uh yeah no i thought it was an excellent event and i'm really glad that we got to make some reactions and next time we'll turn on some lights don't worry but uh, yeah we, we will don't worry we saw the and i okay <laughs> before credit where credit's due before we started filming ryan's like do you want to set up lights and originally we were going to react to the whole event so like we had that camera running pretty much the whole time mm-hmm. and i was like no it's going to be like 12 hours like no 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 no, we're not going to turn on lights whatever it's fine and then like the first comment we got on the batman video was like man it's kind of dark in there and i was like damn it i should have listened to ryan yeah but uh so my bad but on the wonder woman and Zack snyder videos i upped the exposure did in, you really in post yes i did <laughs> fix it in post oh yes always but uh but yeah no so that's that's that with that so now we're going to move on to the next section of our show which is classic movie reviews what's a classic movie to us a classic movie is something that's at least 25 years old is in high critical standing and has a good following of fans ryan what did we watch this time? Um, let me get the year right. I'm sorry. I, it's 80-something, right? 90-something? 80-something? I was... He's 86. Aha. Uh-huh. 1986, Jim Henson's Labyrinth. I will let you go first. <laughs> um, this movie is famously known for being a cult classic. And the last movie that Jim Henson worked on, same guy who created Muppets... Sesame Street, anything puppet-related, Jim Henson probably had a say in it. Um, But this movie is no exception to that. There are puppets. This movie is fun as hell. It is a classic. It's a cult movie for sure. David Bowie camps this to the max. He turns his camping level up to 11, and it's just fantastic. Uh, Jennifer Connelly, I don't know if this is her first acting gig or early on in her career. Um, but she, you can tell she doesn't quite feel comfortable on camera. And I can say like, that is probably the only negative if I want to be nitpicky, but I'm not going to be nitpicky. (laughs) It's not my turn to speak yet. Um, but no, I mean, I'd, I'd say like, that's probably the only negative side to it that I see personally is she just doesn't quite feel comfortable on camera. Um, but it's fun as hell. David Bowie made, uh, wrote all the songs and performed all the songs and it's just fun. It breaks out into random song and dance for no reason. And, uh, the puppets are awesome. I love Ludo. Ludo, the big dog, the cute red 
Clifford dog that just walks around and just says like two words. Um, but the adventure she goes on is very fun, and all the little characters that she meets in the labyrinth are cute and fun. And it's just it's a fun adventure movie. You can turn on at any time, and you know at the end of it, say I had a good time watching that. That makes one of us. I'm gonna go ahead and give it five out of five because I genuinely love Jesus this movie. Christ. Yeah, no, I genuinely love this movie a lot, a lot. But I'm gonna go ahead and turn it over to you and get your thoughts and opinions on the cult classic 1986 Jim Henson Labyrinth. I love when the internet hates me. <laughs> I do not like this movie. I don't hate it, but I don't think it's great. I don't think it's good. I will explain why. And it's not the puppets. I love the puppets. I think the puppets and the, the art direction and the set design is the best thing about the movie. Jim Henson is very imaginable. I love Jim Henson and all the crazy work he's done. The movie just didn't work on a storytelling level for me. Um, I thought Jennifer Connelly, whom I love as an actress, is terrible. I think that the script and its dialogue is completely out of whack. There are moments of brilliance in the movie with the script, but not with any of the setup. The setup was like 30 seconds. There's like a scene where she looks at a labyrinth book, argues with her parents, and then just bam. And then like, baby's gone, we're in this. And... It was very rushed. It was very weird. Like, she's clearly, like, 16, 17 in the movie, but she acts like she's nine. When I, and I know that the movie's made for kids. I know this. But there are several movies that are made for kids that you can still watch and enjoy as adults. And to me, it just came across as really stupid and silly. A lot of the dialogue she was saying, a lot of just her overall mannerisms and actions. And I don't necessarily think it's all her fault. I just think that she was doing exactly what she was being told to do. Now, once you get into the actual labyrinth, there's a lot of interesting things that go on there. I love the relationship between her and Hoggle. I think that was very interesting. You know, a lot of lessons there, you know, with, especially for it being a children's film of, you know, like, it's a, you know, you can be friends with someone even if they're ugly. Like, there's a lot there. There, Even the labyrinth is kind of a metaphor for just being lost in your own reality. Like, it's, and I understand on a deeper level, like, it trying to tell that story. Mm-hmm. David Bowie's awesome. The whole movie. Like, I, I can't I can't say a negative thing about David Bowie. I can't. You you physically cannot. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like some of the other characters as well. I like some of their scenes in this movie that I like, but overall it just doesn't come as a cohesive, coherent story for me. Mm-hmm. And on that basic level, it failed. Okay. But there are a lot of elements in the movie and in the process of filmmaking that I did enjoy. So I'm going to give Labyrinth a C plus, which is still above average or slightly above average because C's average. It's passing, <laughs> but C's get degrees, baby. They do. <laughs> that is fact. I know firsthand. But uh, but yeah, no. Overall, I, I do not like this movie. I know it's a classic, and if you love it, I'm not taking anything away from anyone who loves it and thinks it's great. I think that's wonderful. I love when people love things. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand why it's a cult classic, especially, like, if you saw this movie as a young kid. It just uh, didn't really necessarily work for me. But no, That's uh, fair. That's the beauty of film. That's the subjectivity. Oh, yeah. But I, I still love and respect Jim Henson forever, and Frank Oz contributed as well. He's great. And, of course, this couldn't have happened without George, George Lucas, Lucas and yep. Lucasfilm. Yep. The executive Greatest uh, Star Wars film of all time. Star Wars. Because <laughs> it's Lucasfilm. What? <laughs> I'm so confused. Star Wars films are Lucas films, correct? Uh, yes. Labyrinth is a Lucas film, correct? Yeah. It's the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. Labyrinth is the greatest Star Wars movie of all time. Mm-hmm. 
This is the second time I've had to fire you on screen. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. You gave me the security clearance earlier. (laughs) That was set up, or not set up, that was payoff from a joke earlier when we were watching TV. Yes. And it's always funny fans, max ocular pat down, always gold. Um, But yeah, overall, Labyrinth didn't quite work for me. Mm -hmm. But I do recognize some of the fantastical, the imagination on that movie is ridiculous in in a great way, in a great way. So while I do recognize some positive things about the movie, overall, it just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's how I personally feel about Labyrinth. Was there anything else you wanted to add before we move on? No, that was pretty much it. I mean, I don't want to say that it's like the greatest movie of all time, because I recognize that there are some elements that, you know, don't really age well in the mm-hmm. way of uh, movie making, but um, still, it's fun. It's enjoyable. I still love it, but... Uh, I'm glad we were able to watch it. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Oh, also, yes, last thing. That movie was recommended to us by Skylar. So if you have any movies you want to recommend, please let us know. Because while we know a lot of classic movies, it's fun to watch classic movies that That we may not know about or that you want us to watch. Yes, and just make sure they're from 1995 and before. Yes, so any recommendations? (laughs) Nice, (laughs) nice. little last-minute plug. Way to do that. I try, man, I try. I I know. Do you hire me? Yes. Thank you. <laughs> this interview's over. You come <laughs> and for the last section of our show, we're going to do Franchise Spotlight. What is Franchise Spotlight? That's when we take an entire franchise of films, break it down movie by movie. But with movies with, with franchises with five movies or more, I always fuck that up. With franchises Still with lame. five movies or more, we like to split it up over time. We did the enormous X-Men franchise. We've done the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to do X-Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> X-Men First Class and mm-hmm. The Wolverine because we're doing it by order of release date. So yep. let's talk about X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm-hmm. You want me to... You go in? I'll, I'll go. Okay. It's not good. <laughs> um, this is probably... At the end of the day when we rank them all, this is probably my least favorite X-Men movie. Mm-hmm. Not to say that there isn't fun things about it. Wolverine does jump off of a tank and take out a helicopter. And digs his claws in the ground and drifts with it, which is stupid. Which is awesome. Stupid. But uh, the script is awful. Half the performances are awful. Hugh Jackman and Liev Schreiber try really hard, though, and they are very good in it. And God bless them. Um, Taylor Kitsch plays Gambit. They put Gambit in an X-Men movie, finally. Didn't do enough with him, but hey, we got Gambit. Now it's just time for, uh, what's his name, Chandler? Um, or what's Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum. I was I thinking know. Chandler Riggs, but Channing Tatum. <laughs> I don't know if the MCU is going to keep him, but that'd be oh, cool. Fuck no. <laughs> I can answer that one right now, and I'm not even Kevin Feige. <laughs> um, uh, also, Deadpool. Ryan, For the first time. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. They completely ruined Deadpool, and the Deadpool movie happened because of this movie and how bad they did it. I will but, say that sword thing that he does in that hallway, fucking <laughs> stupid. I hated that shit so much, and I'm so happy, spoiler alert, that they made fun of it later on. Yeah. I won't say which movie, but they make fun of it later on, and it's so stupid. So stupid. I loved it. And at the time that like this movie first came out, I watched it and had no idea who that character was. Mm-hmm. And even at that time, I thought that was stupid. <laughs> and I thought him getting his mouth sewn and showing up as a bad guy and just and just like this whole like monster machine like yeah. combination X Men. And he has just, like, like the, the claws yeah. two of the swords. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, yeah. That goddamn ice cream truck is. They're back. competing. Yeah, there's. <laughs> I found out there's two. There's two ice cream trucks. And they compete against each other. It sounds like he's going away. 
You're good. <laughs> They're no longer after us. <laughs> no, but uh, I, th- I think the worst thing about this movie, it did come out during a writer's strike. So mm, okay, the script is not good. And um, the director was directed by a guy named Gavin Hood, who's a bit of an inconsistent director, but it seems like he gets unlucky with his projects and studio meddling. Because mm-hmm. part of the reason why like Deadpool gets ruined and a bunch of other characters get ruined in this movie is because... At that time, Wolverine was the most popular movie character out of the X-Men franchise. So Fox was like, oh, they only care about Wolverine. So Wolverine movie and make sure everything is Wolverine-y. Let's go. And uh, you get this movie because of that. Yeah. And I feel bad for you, Jackman, because he clearly cares about the character. He gives the best performance in the movie alongside Liev Schreiber. Mm-hmm. Cyclops is in the movie and it doesn't make any fucking sense. Another thing. Mm-hmm. This movie had two post-credit scenes when it came out in theaters, but they would ship them to separate theaters. So oh, one wow. theater would get one post-credit scene, one would get a different one. One post-credit scene had Wolverine in Japan drinking at a bar. One had Deadpool being alive at the end. They ignored both. But <laughs> but but uh, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And also, um, this this movie just shouldn't exist. Because originally they were going to do origin movies for each person, and mm-hmm. the next was going to be X-Men Origins Magneto. Then this movie got so critically panned that they turned that into X-Men First Class. Okay. Which we're going to get into here in a second. But uh, any last-minute things about uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine? Yeah. I mean, the greatest thing was the opening credit. Oh, the war montage. That mm-hmm. was actually very cool. That was a very the cool The way it was thing. edited, the way yes. it was filmed, and like yes. the story of like them growing up yes. and never aging. Yes, that was very, very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, I'd say that's the only positive takeaway I have. Everything for it. with the wife was stupid. A lot of the story was pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the action was okay. It was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end. The animation on his claws when he's in the bathroom was so fucking the cartoon awful. claws. Yes, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, no, not a fun time for the X Men franchise. They went Absolutely from last not. stand and that. Bam, bam, two in a row, two in the chamber. Kill him. You know what? Three strikes, you're out. But what comes in next? X-Men First Class, which came out in 2011, directed by Matthew Vaughn, whom we love. We love, absolutely. And uh, this film was originally going to be a just complete reboot of X-Men. Like, mm-hmm. they were going to do this and then make brand new movies with all new cast members. But then, they were like, you know what? This movie f- feels kind of incomplete without Hugh Jackman's Wolverine. So they were like, Hugh Jackman, do you want like a six-second cameo in this movie? And he was like, Yeah. And it's the greatest movie cameo of all time. Oh, it really is. As you know, uh, Magneto and Professor X are recruiting X-Men, and they come into a bar and see Hugh Jackman's Logan sitting there, and they introduce themselves as Charles Xavier and um, Eric Lyncher, and then Wolverine just says, go fuck yourself, <laughs> and they leave, and that's his whole scene in the movie, and it's fantastic. It really is. But that cemented it as part of that other X-Men universe, which is when they built their story off of in the future sequels, which mm-hmm. is interesting. But I love, I adore X-Men First Class. Mm-hmm. Um, up to this moment, chronologically, this is my favorite one behind X2. Okay. And, and depending on the day, I can flip those in my order. Like, I love both of those movies. And X-Men First Class, really, the thing that makes that movie work is the relationship between James McAvoy's Professor X and Eric and um, um, Michael, Michael Fassbender's, Fassbender. thank you, Magneto. So good. Michael mm. Fassbender is fucking unbelievable as Magneto. There's a scene where he's hunting Nazis 
in Argentina the or whatever. The coolest fucking yes. scene in the oh, whole movie. So awesome, so unsettling. You completely understand why he's doing this. They even kind of do a shot-for-shot recreation of the first X-Men movie mm-hmm. when he does the thing with the gate, but then they go further with it. Kevin Bacon's the bad guy. Which we love a good Kevin Bacon yes, appearance. Yes, it, it was awesome. They do the Hellfire Club, which mm-hmm. is very cool to see for any X-Men comic fans. Azazel was in it. Mm-hmm. Love that character. Um, Banshee, you got Havoc, Cyclops' brother, although in the movie they make him the older brother, and in the comic Cyclops is the older brother. And uh, lovely stuff. Now, the only weakness I think the film has is when it's not focused on Xavier and Magneto, and it focuses on other things, the film kind of is not as interesting, Mm -hmm. drastically. But they quickly bring those storylines back in. But also, Beast, Nicholas Holt's Beast, fantastic performance. He's great. And in this movie, and his future past, Jennifer Lawrence is good as Mystique. Then she doesn't want to be there, but we'll get into that later. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, still solid performances from them. The um, storytelling, the suspense in this film, so well done. There's a great scene. Like, the whole third act is fucking incredible. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they're on the Cuban beach, and it's one of my favorite moments in the entire franchise, when Magneto has all the missiles from the Cuban Missile Crisis holding over them, and he's pretty much going to, he tells all the X-Men on the beach, like, I'm going to throw these back, and we're going to take out those humans, because, you know, fuck those guys. And then Professor X, trying to calm him down, goes, Eric, leave them alone. They're just following orders. And then you see his face just like, you know, him growing up in the concentration camp. And he yeah. says, I, I'm going to ruin the line, but he says something like, I've been at the mercy of men just following orders, and I'll never do that again. And he just fucking throws the missiles. And it's like, oh, my God. Like, I remember when I saw that in theaters with my dad, we were both like, what the fuck? Like, this is insane. Yeah. And you find out how Professor X got injured, blocks a bullet into his back. Which I thought was him. actually like a pretty cool scene because I yeah. feel like that could be like really come off as really cheesy mm-hmm. or like spoon fed. And it was but... right when you weren't thinking about it. Yep, exactly. And um, Rose Burns in this movie is Maria McTaggart. She's also great. Mm-hmm. Love her. But Origins and this movie is where it creates the infamous continuity problems in the X Men franchise. Continuity, schmontinuity. Yes, as John Campia famously put it, and I enthusiastically agree. Um, in X-Men Origins Wolverine, for example, it's, that takes place in the 70s predominantly. Mm-hmm. And at one point, um, Professor X shows up, played by Patrick Stewart, but he's walking. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, oh, Professor X could walk in the 70s. And he looked like Patrick Stewart in the 70s. Of course. And then in X-Men First Class, it takes place in the 60s, and he gets wheelchair-bound, mm-hmm. and he looks like James McAvoy, <laughs> not Patrick Stewart. Yeah. And... um. In also in first class, Beast builds Cerebro, mm-hmm. and in the original X Men trilogy, it was always understood that Magneto and Xavier built Cerebro together. Mm-hmm. And in the first X Men movie, it's implied that Magneto using that helmet is the first time he's done it because Charles is like, I can't, I can't get into his head. But in first class, he finds that out in the sixties. So there are some inconsistencies there that these movies created. But Fox is like, as long as they're good, we don't give a fuck. Just keep going. So which I thought was always an interesting philosophy. Yeah. Because I know some sticklers for continuity who just hate that. But, like, it doesn't bother me, really. Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, it's whatever. They just kind of just, like, move on. And we'll get into more continuity problems with it. Yeah. It's so funny. But, um, oh, one more thing about first class is the, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to move the coin. It's such a cool fucking sequence. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, get, go ahead and give me some of your thoughts on X-Men First Class. The bar fight scene mm-hmm. with the Nazis. How fucking cool is that? Magneto using his powers to, like, mm-hmm. kill three or four Nazis. Just, like, throw the knife, catch it, stab mm-hmm. someone else. Like, 
That shit is so cool. That theme song was good too. Yeah. I think, um, I think Henry Jackman did the score for that one. I can't think of any negatives, honestly. Like, I just, I think this is an all-around great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the only negatives, like I've said, I have are when the movie isn't focused on Magneto and Xavier. It's that's definitely the strongest point is their mm-hmm. relationship. Oh, the beautiful scene, but that's almost taken like right out of Empire Strikes Back when he's trying to convince Magneto that he can turn that satellite, mm-hmm. and then Magneto thinks back on his Jewish holidays and his mother, and he starts to cry and he moves like it's like such a moving sequence, and yeah. it's like Jesus, this is so good. Yeah, no, that movie is fantastic. Uh, I pretty much echo all the positives that you had about it, mm-hmm. um, including like the bar fight scene because that shit is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't—I really don't have any negatives. Yeah, like it was, it was nice movie. to see a young cast in the X Men franchise mm-hmm. and kind of almost rejuvenate the franchise and rejuvenate my interest in this franchise because, like you said, we had uh, Last Stand and um, Origins. Origins, and it's like mm, X Men starting to lose me. Yeah, and then bam. First class comes out with a or X Men comes out with a banger in first class mm-hmm. thanks to Matthew Vaughn. Yes, yes, awesome stuff. And then um, next film we have is the Wolverine, which is another standalone Wolverine movie, more character based, and it takes place after X Men: The Last Stand. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, and in the original timeline before it's messed up by Days of Future Past. Mm-hmm. So in terms of the original X Men timeline, this is the latest movie other than the first like parts of days future past because then in logan it's the new future past that you you guys get it once you watch the movies you'll understand it gets whack but uh in this movie logan has kind of traveled away from new york he's in japan which is kind of the only thing that's tied to origins but in origins it was like the 80s in japan now it's like modern day he's in japan i guess someone looked at both scopes and they're like japan that's cool we're gonna do that (laughs) i see japan is listed here twice yeah And, and and there's a in his run of comics that he did he had a standalone run where he was in Japan, so I think that's where it's based off of. Mm-hmm. And uh, this movie is mostly good. It is directed by James Mangold, who would go on to direct Logan. And the, the parts that he's in control of, you can tell he does a great job. But at this time at Fox, as we briefly brought up with Origins, there was a lot of meddling going on at that time mm-hmm. at Fox. Absolutely. And you could tell that they kind of took over the third act of this film. Mm-hmm. Of the first two acts, like the action's very very gritty it's very serious wolverine for the first time because um, viper gets in him and he, he mm-hmm. his healing factor is affected so for the first time he's not healing and he's like completely shook by that and tries to figure out how to solve that problem um he is in he goes there because this guy in world war Two he saved his life and he calls him there to be thanked but then turns out he's just trying to steal his immortality and his adamantium mm-hmm. and he slowly starts to remember the guy because he still has amnesia yeah. but he kind of puts it together like okay i kind of remember who this person is and um you find out that there's these mafia ties with the yakuza and he's there to help and protect and it becomes this really great interesting movie and then in the third act it just completely falls off the rails and instead of fighting silver samurai he fights like this mecha godzilla thing that like is like what in the fuck that's you're telling me that silver samurai okay whatever and, and, like, I understand changing things from the comic to work in a movie. That doesn't normally bother me. But that just seemed like a really... Because they set him up previously in the movie of, like, oh, we'll always be guarded by the Silver Samurai. And it was like, okay, interesting. They are going to do it. And then did You that. get Mecha Silver Samurai. Yeah. Which was an interesting uh, bit. But, um, what, like I said, when James Mangold was really in the zone mm-hmm. with the character stuff in the first two acts of the movie, I thought it was re- really well done. 
Um, you also get Famke Jensen back as Jean Grey, kind of haunting Wolverine and his yeah. nightmares because of how, what he had to do at the end of X-Men 3. And I, I overall, I think it's a good movie, but I do think it does suffer a bit from its really insane third act. And if you get the chance, there is an unrated version of this movie. It's, it's oh, not, really? It's not like Logan crazy. Okay. But originally, James Mangold was hoping to let them get R, and they didn't let him, so they had to make it PG-13. But mm-hmm. there is an unrated version where it is a little bit more bloody. Not crazy, but it does improve the movie. There are some better sequences in the unrated version. Yeah, because I was going to say, with that, is it just more bloody, or does it actually add more to the story? It's mostly more bloody, but there's like one or two more scenes that were cut out that they put in. Okay. And it's actually pretty good. It might be called the extended version, but it's it's pretty... The Snyder Cut. <laughs> yes, the Snyder Cut of the Wolverine, yes. Uh, but no, it is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I um, also really like the whole cast in that movie. I thought all did an excellent job. Yeah. Um, I would say the coolest part about this movie is the Mecha Godzilla Silver oh, okay, Samurai. Okay. You like that? I actually really did. Um, just because, like, unlike you, I don't really have any connection to the comics. I never read any X Men comics. Never really watched any X Men related things until these live action movies came out. So just watching like this beast of a thing just come to life and. Wolverine has to fight it. I thought it was super cool because you could just turn off your brain and be like, uh, yeah. "Cool fight scene." Yeah, I mean that—that's not what I had the issue with. Because like you know me, I don't care if they change things from a book or a comic book as long as it works within the story. To me, it just did not work within the story they were telling. Because mm-hmm. the first two acts was like this grounded movie about this guy who gets tricked into giving away his immortality, even though he doesn't no longer wants his immortality. Mm-hmm. It's really thought provoking and interesting. And then in the end, it's Mecha Samurai, and it's like okay, and it kind of just didn't flow well that's the reason why it upset me okay but um but yeah no overall i do like the film though Mm -hmm. and uh there is a deleted alternate ending where he opens up a box and the yellow wolverine suit is in there that's the snyder cut (laughs) no it's not it's actually not in the extended version oh really it's just straight up deleted Uh okay which is unfortunate but also that it would have been cool but also um this has a mid credit scene, because, you know, Marvel was big at this time, the MCU, mm-hmm. that leads directly into Days of Future Past, where you find out that Professor X is alive and that he's working with Magneto, and mm-hmm. that they're there together and they need Wolverine's help. And th- that's where it kind of ends there. And although X-Men 3 technically had a post credit scene in 2006, but it was stupid. It was just, like, this random-ass coma body in a hospital that, like, spoke like Xavier, and they were like, Charles, is he alive? And it's so dumb. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love the mid credit scene of the Wolverine, though. Great yeah. stuff. But, uh, but yeah, no. Let's go back over Origins, First Class, and the Wolverine, mm-hmm. and go ahead and give me your rankings. Or not rankings, but give me your grades for them, my guy. Yeah, so uh, Origins, one star. <laughs> Fucking, oh, it's, it's horrible. Um... What was next? Um, first class. First class. First class. Four and a half stars. I fucking love that movie. It it's great. fantastic. It's and great. the James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, mm-hmm. just their chemistry on screen together is fantastic. Especially since they really get into those characters and then the characters' chemistry. Um, and then Wolverine, three stars. It's a fun, enjoyable movie, but I don't think it's any better than that. I don't think it goes deeper for me other than that. But I do know James Mangold kind of had to suffer for this to get what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad he was able to play ball and make this enjoyable movie. Oh, yeah, because eventually it led to Logan, which we will fucking get to. Yeah, we will. Um, for mine, um, Origins Wolverine gets a D plus because wow. it has some fun action scenes. That's uh-huh. what saves it. And Liev Schreiber. 
Um, first class gets an A, and the Wolverine gets an A minus. Okay. If, if it had a better third act, I would love that whole movie. But like, I genuinely love the first two acts of the Wolverine, and I just really dislike the ending of it. That's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving right along with the X-Men, uh, next week we're going to do Days of Future Past, uh, Deadpool, and X-Men Apocalypse, because I believe those are next. Bangers. Let me just tell you now. Bangers. Bangers. Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. No, like we said, moving right along with the X-Men, we'll slowly but surely get to the end of that one. And uh, we're going to add new mutants on to the end, so don't you guys worry. Uh, yeah. Separate from the review that I put out. I'm totally seeing it tonight. I'm totally seeing it. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully. We can, we can only dream. Yeah. We can only dream. But uh, I think that's going to pretty much do it for today's episode. Mm-hmm. Do you got anything you want to add real quick? Yeah. Go ahead and subscribe to us if you aren't subscribed already. It's uh, you, uh, youtube.com slash C slash movie nights. Boom. Perfect. You can find us on Facebook, movie nights, and Twitter and Instagram, knights underscore movie. Um, we, we are on majority of the major podcast listening apps. Yes. You if can you find prefer us on there. to just do audio only. Yep. Mm-hmm. Find us on there. Um, but thanks so much for watching, you guys. Yeah. Thank you very much. Also, if there's anything you want us in particular to react to, Go ahead and leave it in the comments below. No promises that we will, because we're probably not going to react to things we've already seen. Mm-hmm. But hey, maybe you say something and we've never heard of it, and we're like, let's react to it. Shit, why not? Whether it's a hot take, classic movie, franchise yeah. you want to see us talk about, anything, we're, we're open to subjection. Yeah. Open to suggestions. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So again, thanks everyone for watching, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.